Thanksgiving time in the United States, which means it's Bedlam time in Oklahoma. I, I, listen, I'm going to jump out here right now. Welcome to Sewer Nation podcast. And just, I want to f- officially file my protest that this game will not be played on Thanksgiving weekend next year. Okay. Who do I, who do I, can I file that with you or do no, I need to go to somebody else? I'll put else? it in file 13, oh, unfortunately. So- it's just a part of scheduling and we must live with the decisions of the powers that be. Well, the powers that be are terrible people that find schools for storming the field and hey, whatever. Um, okay. Hey, welcome to the Bedlam, <laughs> the Bedlam preview podcast. He's rich. I'm Matt. And uh, we got a, we got a lot to talk about. And I feel like, I know I say that every week, but uh, Zach Lowe will be joining us to help with the Bedlam preview. Um, let's start though. Let's start with basketball. Oklahoma falling for the first time this season on the hardwood, losing against Stanford up in Kansas City, really just losing hard to Stanford, 73-54 to and a night that they shot just horrendously from the floor. They looked outmatched uh, by Stanford from the from literally from the opening tip. I think the Cardinals started that game on like a seventeen to nothing run mm-hmm. before Brady Manning finally gets going. Oklahoma rebounds the next night, beats Missouri seventy seven to sixty six. Really, two different nights, two different teams. It seemed like if you're watching Oklahoma basketball, a lot has been said about this this freshman class. A lot has been said about Kristen Doolittle being the only senior. A lot has been said about the enemy, you know, after that, the freshman season last year. But the guy that makes this team work undoubtedly is Austin Reeves. He is the star of this team. With all due respect to Brady Manick, with all due respect to Kristen Doolittle, with all due respect to De- Devion Harmon, with all due respect to Jamal the enemy, Austin Reeves, if, if this is the guy who's making this thing work for Oklahoma right now. Prove me wrong. (laughs) I'm not going to prove you wrong, so to speak. But when we look at this Oklahoma team through the first six games of the season, the, the one characteristic, the one trait that stood out to me was something that we haven't seen from a Lon Kruger basketball team Ever. And that was these sluggish starts. In fact, Oklahoma having a sluggish start over the entire first 20 minutes of play, utilizing that second half to make some adjustments, reiterate some of the strengths of this team and play into those, which has produced wins in the one loss in the game that that Oklahoma played against Missouri. They completely flipped the script. You talked about two different Teams, I'm hoping that they're turning the corner because Oklahoma jumps out to a very quick and easy run, and they used multiple runs in the first half to build a lead. It was a comfortable win for the first time for Oklahoma, regardless of the quality of the opponent, regardless of the arena they were playing in. This team, I I do agree with you at this point in time, is being anchored by Austin Reeves' second consecutive game where he has led the team in scoring. But I think a lot of a lot of what opens the floor up for him is the other two players that you've mentioned. There is so much focus knowing that Christian Doolittle is a high well on some nights <laughs> so far this season has been a high percentage shooter. He's making good decisions when the ball is in his hands and he's making defenses pun it or he's make he's punishing defenses when the opportunity arises on the offensive side of the court. Christian Doolittle, I think, draws a lot of the focus. Austin Reeves, a guy who's going to stretch that floor. And then you've always got to account for Brady Manick because he he's an inside out guy. Is he playing inside or is he going to draw you, lure you out of the lane and let these guys like a Devion Harmon or an Austin Reeves go to work with no real rim protector all of a sudden? It it is a team effort. I've got to give credit to the team, but the linchpin of the whole program for the time being what we've seen is undoubtedly Austin Reeves. Oklahoma right now with four players uh, shooting above 40% from the floor. Um, Austin Reeves, 34 minutes uh, per game is the highest on the team uh, as far as average goes. Also 17 points per game, highest on the team as far as scoring average goes. But you got three players, Reeves, Doolittle, and Manic, all averaging double figures. I, I, I've i been saying this since since game one. 
This team was picked to finish eighth in the Big 12. They are they are better than the eighth team in the Big 12. I, I think they're they're for five and six somewhere as what they're going to be shooting for. They will get better as Long Kruger's uh, teams always do. Stanford, hands down, in my opinion, the best team that they've faced all season long. Um, and they Stanford just looked like they belonged on a different court than Oklahoma, particularly the way the Sooners were shooting. Uh, I feel like they kind of panicked there at the beginning when nothing was falling. They did make a run at one point to bring it back to within seven, but then Stanford woke back up. I don't think Missouri's a terrible team. I think it's a good win for Oklahoma on Tuesday night. But Oklahoma right now sitting at 6-1 and one on the season. Up next for the Sooners is a trip down to Denton, Texas to play North Texas. This is a team that you won't see – in Norman for quite some time at North Texas, at Wichita State, at Creighton, before finally coming home to play Central Florida on December 21st. Um, and then they've got one more game against uh, UT Rio Grande Valley before Big 12 play starts. And by the way, two of their first three Big 12 games are on the road as well. So a team that's getting used to uh, to finding its happy place on the road. I'm okay with where Oklahoma is right now. I, I, as a, as a fan of the team, six and one, uh, I'm okay with that. And I, I think they'll I think they'll beat a ten wins before conference play starts, and that's that's really where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about the projections, where many people think this team will land in conference when it's all said and done, and the reality is that five and six in that range within the 10 teams that are in the Big 12 is not a bad spot to be in. Each and every year, the Big 12 is one of the stronger conferences from top to bottom, whether that's Kansas or Texas Tech or Iowa State, all the way down to this year, a team like in Oklahoma. What we're looking at within that 5-6 range of the Big 12 is still a team that's worthy of consideration for the NCAA tournament. And ultimately, that's where everybody wants to end up. They want to be included in the field of 64. Right. The field of 64, whether you're a 16 seed or you're a one seed, still presents a chance for a national championship. Now, I get the probabilities, the the factors, the the possibility of you actually claiming a national championship from a lower seed is slim at best but hey, the, every year there's a cinderella that's right i was gonna say in the in the words of i can't remember which one it was from dumb and dumber but there is indeed a chance. there's a chance okay let's let's flip the script and talk about football because that's what everyone's tuning in the newest playoff rankings are out oklahoma number seven Oklahoma State, number 21. But the number you want to look at is number nine, Baylor. That is good news for Oklahoma. Um, I, we've been saying this. I, I think Oklahoma fans have grossly overreacted after the Kansas State loss. Everyone's talked about – everyone likes to talk about the Big 12. And I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago. I think it was after the Iowa State game where kind of – I talked about the false narrative of how bad the Big 12 is and how Oklahoma can't make it to the college football playoff from the Big 12. That false narrative was based off of really two things. Uh, number one, revenue, $35 million the Big 12 grossed in 2017. Um, and then also based off the fact that Oklahoma's made the playoffs three out of the last four years coming out of the Big 12 – Oklahoma has a chance here, it, and I, if they don't make it again, it's going to be because you lost to Kansas State. But with Baylor sitting at number nine, they are in prime position to end the season getting a road win at number 21, Oklahoma State, and then winning your conference championship in a top 10 matchup on a neutral field in Arlington, Texas. That puts Oklahoma in prime position. I mean, Ohio State, I think, hands down, they're going to win the Big Ten. LSU, I think, hands down, is going to win the SEC. Clemson, hands down, is going to win the ACC. That's just my opinion. Upsets can always happen. So that puts Georgia, Alabama, and Utah in front of Oklahoma. Well, if LSU beats Georgia in the SEC championship, they're out. Alabama, I don't believe this is year where, where Alabama makes it by not – 
you know, by not winning their conference. This is not going to be like a few years ago when it was uh, Georgia and Auburn, I believe, in the in the SEC championship. Georgia goes on to the playoff. Oklahoma uh, plays them in the Rose Bowl. Alabama ultimately wins the national championship that year. I don't see that playing out this year because of the Tua issue. So really, you're looking at Utah. Can I think Oregon will beat Utah in the Pac-12? I don't know if that's just me cheering for that to happen or if I really believe that. But Oregon drops all the way down to number 14. And so let's say let's say Utah does win the Pac-12. They're playing Colorado this weekend, an unranked team. They're going to play a 14th ranked team the way things are right now, number 14 in the Pac-12 championship game. So you've got that as a resume, unranked Colorado, 14 Oregon as a conference champion. Or you've got Oklahoma winning on the road at number 21, winning against a top 10 team in Baylor, in Arlington, Texas, in the Big 12 championship. Baylor would finish the season 10-2 and two with those two losses coming to Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma jumps Utah in that situation. Basically what I'm saying is win and you're in if you're the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's necessarily that easy of a conversation. And it really – I agree with what you said about Utah. When I look at the Pac-12, I do see a weaker conference than any conference besides the ACC. The ACC, one ranked team, that being Clemson, the defending national champions, who are playing quality football, but we don't know really how good they are at this point in time. Switching back over to the Pac-12 – I think Oregon, talent-wise, is is the most talented team on the West Coast. Utah is vying for a spot, but their resume just doesn't stack up well. And I know that was a huge criticism last week. Not, not Tuesday's rankings that just came out, but two weeks ago now, two rankings ago, a huge criticism of Utah was the fact that they, they don't have any wins over ranked opponents at this point in time. I don't think Utah is going to get one. And that's why I think the conversation for me really centers around Alabama. I do think there's potential here that Alabama loses to Auburn without Tagovailoa on the field in the Iron Bowl this weekend. I agree if, with that. if that happens, Auburn's not not the best team on the face of planet Earth. I get that. I know that they've got three losses. But when you put a rivalry all of a sudden into the equation, it is going to bring out the best. And Bo Nix has been the starter all season long. Alabama, they're starting over. And this is this is the point in time where they, as an offense offensive unit are going to get punched in the mouth and when we're going to wait to see how they respond without their unquestionable leader in Tua on the field who who carries that burden who shoulders that responsibility great crop of receivers but if you can't get the ball to them and you can't make the throws it's it's going to negate what I consider to be the greatest strength of this offensive unit if that happens, there's no conversation to be had anymore. Oklahoma wins out, they're in. It's what happens when Alabama, if they if they win this weekend, what what does the playoff committee do with a one-loss Alabama team who sits out on championship weekend? We can have our personal ideas on how that should play out, but ultimately, <laughs> when those rankings come out, the committee could say something completely differently. How do you view a one-loss Alabama team who is not a conference champion, and will that ultimately, when you look at Oklahoma specifically in the Big 12, will that championship, will these two final games potentially with wins over ranked opponents, be enough to climb that hurdle? I say yes. I'm with you at this point in time, but I don't think the conversation's around Utah. I think it's around Alabama. Yeah, Auburn number 15. Even if Alabama wins that game, Auburn's number 15. You don't have Tua. You're not a conference champion. I don't see this being a year where an Alabama gets in just because they're Alabama. Mm -hmm. I, I just be, And I think because 
I think LSU has been so strong and Georgia has been so strong that the the SEC champion is in. Now, here's where you get to me. Here's where it kind of gets dangerous is if Georgia upsets LSU, then I think the SEC makes a statement, uh, an argument for getting two teams in. But one that Georgia having one loss, LSU having one loss. I think that's when you begin to look at the potential of two SEC teams. But I don't. I don't think Alabama's in. I, I think Alabama's out regardless. They're going to look at again number fifteen. Who'd you play the week before? You know, Eastern Mississippi, Jackson, nobody, Carolina State, something like that. The week before, I I don't see Alabama getting in. I do think it's Oklahoma's spot to lose. And and I'm I'm curious how Joe I'm, I'm curious how Joe from Anadarko you know that fan Joe Joe fan how does that how do they handle that news after being you know ever since Kansas State how the sky has fallen how Oklahoma is terrible how they need to get out of the Big Twelve because they can't do anything in the Big Twelve how do you handle that because here's what's going to happen you're going to go into the college football playoff as the number four seed probably facing Ohio State um, you know in that opening round which is a big, big, big task for Oklahoma. But you got to get past Bedlam. You got to get past the Big 12 championship for that to even be a possibility. Speaking of Bedlam, we've got Zach Lowe coming up to talk Bedlam sports specifically and um, it's Bedlam football, I guess, specifically. And uh, we're excited about that. A week from Saturday, this Saturday is Bedlam, but a week from Saturday is the Big 12 Championship. And if you're looking for tickets, I know exactly where you can go to get them. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to. Even if you want to sneak up north to Stillwater this weekend, Vivid Seats is your place. You can sort by the price or you can look for seats in the section and row of your choice all within the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. And when it comes time to buy, here's where we're going to hook you up. New users can enter the promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100 on your purchase. Zach Lowe coming up next to talk Bedlam football. Well, all right, in the spirit of Bedlam Week, we want to welcome in the one and the only Zach Lowe, half of the Thunder guys, also providing Oklahoma State coverage for Heartland Sports. Um, first of all, before this, we get too far into this, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, Matt. You um, you pretty excited about, I mean, you got anything special you're doing? What, what's your family tra- tradition? Uh, it kind of varies. I guess the past few years, we've been going out to my grandparents out in Shawnee. Uh, it's my mom's side of the family because my dad's side of the family is so big. There's mm-hmm. about 60 or 70 of us now with all the kids, grandkids, cousins, so on and so forth. So we actually, with that side of the family, we do a, an in-between Thanksgiving, Christmas mashup gotcha. type thing. Right, so right. Thanksgiving is usually out in Shawnee with my grandparents. Okay. And, uh, it's kind of a smaller gathering, but I get my own pumpkin pie that I get to take home from, <laughs> from my Mimi. So I'm always happy about that. I'm I'm really looking forward to pumpkin pie tomorrow. So that may, I was just going to, obviously we're going to talk Bedlam football, but I was going to ask you favorite dish, dessert, whatever, Thanksgiving. What's the one thing that you can't wait to get to? You said Mimi's house? Yes. Can't wait to get to Mimi's house and eat. What is it going to be? Is it pumpkin pie? Uh, Yeah. My, my Mimi makes, uh, she's got her own dressing recipe oh, okay. i love that my pop always does a turkey and it's you know the turkey's all right i'm not i'm not crazy about turkey like i am the dressing and then uh then i get to the pumpkin pie and then i get to take my own pie home i always make sure to dip into the family pie oh for I'm sure yeah the, absolutely at the with, gathering now, that way i take a whole one home for myself. with or without cool whip oh definitely with the cool whip. okay i'm all cool. about it and my dad's kind of a psycho about that so it has to be like the uh the the homemade, the real stuff. Oh, oh like oh, yeah. It, it, they have to. Uh, usually, it's my mom or my Mimi that makes it. So it's not. I, I'm fine with the tub. Like, yes, yeah, that's. I, I, mean, I prefer. I prefer the store bought Cool right. Whip in the tub. That's. That's me. I, and I'm a turkey guy. I love the turkey. And so. Um, well, from the sounds of it, you know what you're doing in the turkey realm. So uh, I can I can understand. Well, yeah, and so we we've, we've got like uh, this year. Um, I always do the smoked turkey, and uh, before we record this podcast, 
just for the back backstory. I, I've been smoking turkey all day, but we're also doing a deep fried turkey. I've never done that. I hear this is a game changer. So I'm pretty excited to see how that works. Okay, Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. The Big 12 Championship's already set. Oklahoma will play Baylor next weekend for potentially the fifth Big 12 Championship in a row for the Sooners. Oklahoma State, though, still, I mean, you still got a lot to play for. You this will be the conclusion of the regular season. But if you win Saturday, then you set you up for the bowl uh, bowl win that could p- potentially get you the ten wins again, right. which is a good milestone. I mean, it, there's a lot of people don't realize that the ten wins is a really good season. Whether it takes you into the bowl season to get there or not, that's and when you look at Oklahoma State going into this season, you kind of thought, well, there's Chuba Hubbard, but you don't know what you got at quarterback. Right. Tylen Wallace is a good receiver, one of the actually good receivers under underplaying how his quality. Right. But you kind of go into the season going, eh, I don't know how Oklahoma State is going to be. A lot of questions. Whether you get to ten or whether it ends at nine, you got to be pleased with what you've seen. Oh, this definitely. Year. I came into the season. I think Vegas set the line at like seven wins, seven and a half wins, maybe on the high end for Oklahoma State. And I was thinking, are you kidding me? Like, can we really not get to seven wins that easily? And I went and looked at the schedule and new quarterback, like you said, Chuba Hubbard coming back, expecting good things out of him. He's been outstanding, far better than even I had hoped for. But looking at the schedule, I was thinking, you know. Seven, eight wins might be a miracle season. And, you know, after a couple of those losses, close loss to Texas, getting embarrassed by Texas Tech and then uh, getting blown out in the second half against Baylor. I I, I was thinking, I don't know if we're going to win another game. I, I don't know if there's going to be a bowl game this season. And they really rebounded the second half uh, of the regular season. And I'm right now, I mean, win or lose on Saturday, depending on which bowl, you know, the Cowboys go to and how they perform. I feel like you can already say it's been a pretty successful season. Mm -hmm. Spencer Sanders comes in as a freshman. He's gotten a lot of experience. I know he's out with the injury and that, that really stinks for him, but he got a ton of valuable experience this season. Chuba Hubbard played well. I was really disappointed to see Tylen Wallace go out with the injury because I thought he was having just a fantastic season, setting himself up to win, probably win the Boletnikoff. And um, he's definitely going to be playing on Sundays in the very near future. But overall, uh, I'm pleased with how the season's gone. It's It's been much better than I had felt like it was going to be at certain times. Because uh, like I said, after that loss to Baylor, I, th- I think I texted Craig and told him, I don't know if we're going to win another game. Mm. Like maybe Kansas. I mean, I was feeling good about Kansas, and that was about it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Oklahoma State's in a pretty good position right now, and um, Bedlam should be exciting. Well, you mentioned the injuries. Um, Tylen Wallace done for the season. Potentially, most likely, his Oklahoma football career is over. Oklahoma State football career right. is over with. Because NFL is just waiting to write him a check. Definitely. Spencer Sanders out with the hand injury, uh, having surgery on that. That kind of leaves you, you know, Chuba Hubbard. As a fan and a guy who studies and writes about this team, is there enough firepower there, in your opinion, with just Chuba – I guess you can call it Chuba and the guys now. Yeah. Is there enough firepower there? Because typically in Oklahoma – last year was not – was no exception to this. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State typically turns into a shootout. Right. Do the Cowboys have enough to make that happen this year? I I really don't. I I don't think that – in order for Oklahoma State to win this game, I think it's going to rely more on the defense. I think Chuba Hubbard's probably going to get his, meaning I think he gets to 100 yards because I, I don't know that he's really been stopped much this season. Um, I'll, I'll look at the TCU game a few weeks back, mm-hmm. and TCU was holding opponents to just a little over 100 yards of rushing per game. Chuba exploded for, I think it was over 200 even for the day. And it, it was like you knew he was getting the ball, but they couldn't do anything about it. And then you go to West Virginia last week, and he struggled. He got the ball a lot, and he managed to get you know decent yardage, but West Virginia did a really good job of stopping the run. So if, if the Cowboys can't get the run game going, it, it might be a really long day. Uh, Drew Brown, he, I, I felt like he was okay. He, he was solid enough, and you know he's an experienced player. Um, as, a, as a transfer quarterback, you know he's stayed ready the last couple of seasons, so I wasn't surprised to see him come in. And he's already doing some things better than Spencer Sanders. Like he knows when to throw the ball away instead of like right into the defense's hands, like Spencer Sanders has done several times. And that's the difference between a fifth-year senior and, and a, a, right. a redshirt freshman. That's just those are the types of things that are going to happen. So in terms of decision making, I feel like Drew Brown's definitely better in that aspect. But he's not the playmaker that Spencer Sanders is. He's going to be the guy that – and this is what he did to West Virginia. He nickel and dimed them all the way down. I think he went five for five in the final possession where Oklahoma scored the go-ahead – Oklahoma State scored the go-ahead touchdown, put him up to eventually win. 
He's just going to nitpick a little bit, mm-hmm. and I think if he can do that and the running game, you know, if Chuba Hubbard can can grind out, get at least to 100 yards, then I think the offense might be able to stick around a little bit. But it, there's definitely going to need to be some help from the defensive side of the ball as well. Okay, so I, I, I'm going to let you decide how we do this because I know you, we want to make this kind of a, a balanced bedlam preview. Obviously, we've got our side from as Oklahoma fans. You've got your side as Oklahoma State fan. Do you want to, like, alternate questions or you want me to go through all mine and then and then you go through all yours? How do you want to handle that? Uh why don't we just roll through them? You go through yours, and okay. I'll go through mine, and we can throw in our little bits of commentary there, and we'll see how. Especially because I think your next one goes in, goes goes along with kind of where I was headed. Well, yeah, because I mean, Oklahoma comes in fairly healthy. You know, you, right? Ceedee Lamb gave Oklahoma fans a scare at the Baylor at the Baylor game, but he was back and played a big role against TCU last week. Trey Sermon's done for the season, but you still have, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, you got Kennedy. I mean, Oklahoma has so many weapons and they are the top offense, not just in the big 12, but in the nation, right? Oklahoma States, they're, they're going for win number five this, this weekend and defense. You wrote an article about it that we had on Heartland sports uh, last week, I believe it was, or was it this? You wrote an article about defense. Um, they, the defense has been kind of setting the tone for Oklahoma right. State. In your opinion, when you, you look at this offense, you look at Jalen Hurts, Mike Gundy said it's kind of a, a one-trick pony, or I don't remember exactly how, how he said it, but a one-man show or whatever he yeah, said. Yeah, I think that's what he um, said. What do you need to see from Oklahoma State, and, and particularly who from that defense? How do you how do you approach this game facing Oklahoma? I don't necessarily think that what Mike Gundy said was wrong so much as in how he said it. Uh, first off, the Oklahoma offense is not just a one-man show. One-man um, show. That's what he said. That's what he said. And when he said that, I was kind of taken aback because, I mean, CeeDee Lamb, I feel like he's the favorite to win the Bletnikoff right now. Um, they've got – the Sooners have a ton of guys in the backfield, and they just crank out running backs that can run the ball. That's all. It, you just got to be tough. Mm-hmm. OU's offensive line's always been pretty solid for the most part. Those guys are going to block. If you're a tough running back, you're going to get some yardage. You're going to find the end zone eventually, that type of thing. So I, I I do think that if you shut Jalen Hurts down, then you shut everything down because he does so much. But again, just because you can say that and know that and even have a strategy for it doesn't mean it's going to play out well. I think the defense has been fantastic over the last month. They've really done a good job at forcing turnovers, which has always been a concern. You look back at past seasons where they've – where, where the Cowboys have experienced ridiculous success. They've always had a good offense, I feel like. For the most part, there's always been some really powerful weapons. But those really, really good seasons, like the year they, they played in the Fiesta Bowl, nearly slipped their way into the championship game, that year was so successful because the defense was a turnover machine. They, they were forcing turnovers left and right. I think they they were either led the nation or they were you know right up in the thick mm-hmm. of it. And they were doing it at, at an insane rate. And so they're gonna. The defense is gonna have to force a couple of turnovers if they want to stay in the game with 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 the Sooners. Because I think the offense, again, I think they're gonna be able to score some points. Um, they've struggled. They struggled against West Virginia, and I definitely don't think West Virginia is even in the same category um, as the Sooners. But uh, if the defense can force a couple of turnovers and really pressuring Jalen Hurts is gonna be so key. Not not losing contained. Don't let him scramble out of the pocket because um, I've seen OU struggle with this. Running quarterbacks, they are so dangerous. Right. And I was feeling pretty good about Bedlam when Spencer Sanders was healthy. And now Drew Brown's not much of a scrambler. He, he can move around a little bit, but hes I don't think he's going to be as much of a threat. So uh, if the Cowboys can force a couple turnovers and not give up those big plays, which CeeDee Lamb, he's capable. He's more than capable. Um, he, he's been hes been a shocker so many times this season where I remember it was the first few games. A lot of people were concerned about he wasn't getting his and is he going to get dissatisfied. And I think it was like the third game of the season. He just exploded. might have been the fourth game. It was after all this talk had happened. All week right, long right. it built up to it. And then he, he had like 200-something yards, three touchdowns, whatever it was. And it's like he's the kind of guy, he doesn't need all the attention. If the team's winning, then he's going to be fine. And then as soon as they need him, he's going to be – he's there. He's ready. That's just the kind of guy he is. Again, well, he's going to be another guy playing on Sundays and, very and soon. It, and it really kind of – you go back to the Tylen Wallace injury, and you hate the fact because of Ceedee Lamb. You hate the fact that Tylen Wallace is out. Not now, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you're okay with Tylen right. Wallace being out. But just from a, a person who appreciates football, you know, I get to vote for the Blitnikoff, and and I was I was looking forward to this game mm-hmm. because, you know, had had Tylen Wallace not been injured, he would have been in there on my on my uh, my top three. Right. Um. And you know, this game would probably help me decide number one. Um, but just can you imagine the the matchup with those two guys on on you oh, know yeah. going opposite field of, of one another? Um, 
turnovers and it's I, I think that's that's key. If you want to, Matt, what's the key to this game? It's turnovers. Oh yeah. You know, I I did the uh, the ten things you want to know about Bedlam football, and there's just this ridiculous stat about Mike Gundy, uh, his career as a coach when when Oklahoma State gets the turnovers, and um, and Oklahoma the last the last four weeks turnovers have been the main story. You, yeah. If you take away turnovers. Oklahoma is undefeated. If you take away turnovers, Iowa State doesn't come down to a two-point conversion. If you take away turnovers, then then you know it's it's a blowout last week against TCU. So it's just, here here's the stat I was gonna I, I was I had to look it up here at Heartland Sports. Since 2005, when the Cowboys win the turnover battle, they are 70 and nine. They're 37 and two in games when they commit zero turnovers themselves. So to me, that's right. what it all comes down to, and I, I think you hit that on the head. Let me ask you one more question. Um, just stepping away from the game itself and talking about Chuba Hubbard, who I, I'll be honest with you, he I, I've been saying this for a month now. He scares me. Yeah, I, I think Oklahoma fans are cautiously optimistic when it comes to this defense. You think, man, the defense is getting better. They're the, they're the mm-hmm. top defense in the Big 12 right now. But man, you look at a guy like Chuba Hubbard, and you can't help but be scared because yeah. he's got—he's a speed guy, and he just—he just needs a small crease, and boom, he's gone. He's the kind of guy that, in the past, has really burned this Oklahoma defense. And I think going back to last season, last bedlam, last year's bedlam game, you know, he fumbles. That—that that was a crucial moment in the game. Do you feel like, based off the season he's had, and that's something that Oklahoma State's playing for on Saturday is 2,000 yards right. rushing for him. He's not on the Maxwell. I mean, the, the top three for the Maxwell have come out. He's not there, mm-hmm. which leads me to believe he's not going to be a, a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Is he getting a snub there? I mean, I, I, I can tell you how I feel from Oklahoma fan, but as an OSU guy, right. what, what's the story? Well, I'm assuming the three – three. I haven't even seen the Maxwell, honestly. I'm assuming it's the three quarterbacks – um, yeah, I, I can right? look it up because I, I, um, not kind of hurts the LSU kid and the Ohio state kid. Yeah. I'm assuming um, those are the three. They're, those are the ones that um, have been, uh, I'll, I'll pull up my ballot. Cause I'm not voting on this until after, um, but it's Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Ohio state, okay. and then Jalen hurts. Okay. So all your three chase young is the one I couldn't remember. Right. I was thinking it was uh, their quarterback, but yeah, Chase Young, man, that kid's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> glad to see him back, honestly, with all that mess. But that's that's another story. Um, as far as the snub, it, it's it's tough for me to say either way. Obviously, as an Oklahoma State fan, I think he deserves all the attention in the world um, because what what he's doing really is incredible. I mean, it's it's historical in a way. He's setting historical numbers um, right up there with some of the all time greats. At the same time, when your team loses three three games, yeah. Um, you tend to lose some of that attention. It's just kind of the way it goes. It, it doesn't matter what league we're talking about, college or professional. Usually the best player award goes to a guy on one of the best teams in whatever that league is. That's just kind of the way it goes. And, you know, I, I look at a, a few years back, a guy wins the MVP award in the NBA and he's not on one of the best teams in the league. Russell Westbrook wins when the Thunder really aren't one of the best teams in the right. league. And that kind of set – um set a lot of people off because that was so out of the norm. I don't think Chuba Hubbard, if anything, I think he might get the uh, the sympathy invite to New York City, which I think he at least deserves that. Um, I, I believe it would take a big game on Saturday for him to even get that, unfortunately. Uh, I, I think he deserves to be there. I think he should be there. Um, if I had to bet one way or another whether or not he will be, I'd say he probably won't be just because of the three losses. Those weigh so heavily in a lot of voters' minds, especially when so many voters – don't even watch the games. They don't even really pay right. attention, and they look at stats. But the biggest stat to me is the win-loss column. The, the, that, that's going to be the big one. Hubbard averaging 166.5 rushing yards per game, which is 13.3 yards more than Jonathan Taylor, and he's the guy that kind of gets a lot of the talk because he plays in the Big Ten, plays for Wisconsin. Yeah. But here's what's interesting about Chuba Hubbard: through 11 games, um, his rushing yards are better than six of the 12 running backs to have won the Heisman Trophy since 1980. And so you, you see all that. And again, looking at the Big 12, we watch a lot of Big 12 football week in and week out, and you just got to think, man, this guy, he, he's the real deal. Mm-hmm. And I remember his recruitment 
Um, of course, he was a heavy lean for Oklahoma State because of a connection there. But, man, I, I really wanted him bad at Oklahoma. So, um, anyway, that, that's it for me. Um, I know you've got a couple of questions. Yeah. I do have a bonus question for you, but we're going to save that for the very end. Uh, it'd be kind of fun, and I think you, you've got the same bonus question. So, let, let's see what you've got from your angle. Yeah, so I, I've heard this question floated around a lot, and I have my answer. So I'm going to tell you what I think about it, and then I'm just curious where you've come from. But the question is whether or not Bedlam football is really a rivalry game, considering Oklahoma's heavy, heavy, he, can I say heavy enough, um, <laughs> lopsided history of winning the game. Like I've lost, I know it's in the 80s to the teens. That's 88 all. to 18. Okay, see, I, 88, so 18, and 7. So Oklahoma State's approaching 20 wins. That's, see, I didn't even know they were that close, honestly. Because um, I've in my um, – 20 years of actively being a fan watching. I think we've got maybe it's either five or six wins in there, which I feel like is a lot percentage wise, statistically speaking, uh, comparatively. But anyways, uh, I, I see this question floated around of is Bedlam football really a rivalry? So from a Sooner fans perspective, and you've seen a few more Bedlams than I have, uh, calling me old, I'm not you? calling you old, <laughs> but what, what, uh, do you look at this as a rivalry game? Does does modern day versus the past is that does context matter there to you or like how do you, how do you look I, at this game? I think it's more of a rivalry now than it was before Nebraska left the Big Twelve. Okay, um, and and I think most Oklahoma fans would be on board with this by saying the number one rival for the University of Oklahoma is Texas. And the, the way I look at it every year, if there's one team, if I had to pick one team for Oklahoma to lose to. I would pick them to lose to Oklahoma State because I cannot stand anything about Texas. I can't stand losing to Texas. I can't stand I can't stand it when Texas beats Kansas by a field goal, okay. right? So, and I think most Oklahoma fans are that way. And 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 here's the thing, Zach, is that the the simple answer is yes. Bedlam is a rivalry. It, it's it's in state. There, you've you've got some recruiting uh, lines going there. You've mm-hmm. got Mike Gundy and and then Oklahoma has Kel Gundy. I mean, you, there's there's you, and you there's been some some really fun football games oh, yeah. in this rivalry. And there's been some fun football games recently. Even though Oklahoma. It, back on a winning streak, I mean, it's been close. I mean, it's oh, failed, yeah. failed two-point conversion last year in Norman. So it's one of those games that's becoming, as an Oklahoma fan, you just you know it's going to be a shootout. You just you hope you can make the big plays early that right. kind of take Oklahoma State out of it. But at the end of the day, when you look at 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 Oklahoma, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas, those are storied rivals. Right. And because for so long. Oklahoma and Nebraska in the Big Eight. That was that's how you sell the Big Eight championship. Right. Oklahoma and Texas, the winner of that South Division matchups, going to the Big Twelve championship right. game, and and Oklahoma State was just there. You know, it, it was there. Bedlam has all, in my opinion, and I'm not I'm not slamming Oklahoma State, but in my opinion, Bedlam has always been bigger from the Oklahoma State perspective oh, yeah. than it has been the Oklahoma perspective. Fair. Are Oklahoma fans? frustrated when we lose Bedlam? Absolutely, because we got to hear from the Orange and Black crew right. for, for 12 months. And But, again, if I think most Oklahoma fans, most Oklahoma fans, if you said rank the rivalries, Oklahoma State's going to come in second behind Texas. Okay. If you go back further, they would probably – a majority. Now, it could be a small – like right. 53% would say – Third behind Nebraska. Okay, but in today's in today's Big Twelve, absolutely. And and here's the other thing that you got to throw in here. This year is the exception, but prior to this year, I think going back to 2015, so 15, 16, 17, and 18, the teams went into this weekend with the Big Twelve championship on the line. Right. And and that kind of we don't have that build up this year, but still. Yeah, it's a rivalry. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna. There's some Oklahoma fans who no, you're just little brother. No, right. it's 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 more than that. And because it's a rivalry, Oklahoma fans, some Oklahoma fans will take that standpoint because right. they don't want to admit it. But right. um, but it is not when 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 you when you get the Oklahoma schedule, you know every weekend you, before the schedule comes out, you can your Oklahoma fan can tell you second weekend October is Texas weekend. Right. That's it. That's the big game on Oklahoma's schedule, and then everything else falls into place mm-hmm. behind that. And I would, but I would say in today's Big Twelve, it's a rivalry that's second behind Texas. So, do you think there's anything 
in, in say even in the next decade where Bedlam could surpass that or even kind of start to live up to it? Or do you think you think Red River's just yeah? I just again, there's just so much history there. I mean, right. there and and again, it's not just. It's not just a long-standing rivalry because Oklahoma has a long-standing. I mean, we're we're talking to 88, 18, and seven. I mean, that's the record. It's right. a long-standing. That's a hundred and some. This this Saturday will be the hundred and fourteenth meeting between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, um, which means it's the most Oklahoma, Oklahoma, and Texas hundred and fourteen. It is they're they're right there, long-standing right. rivals. But you go back again. You, you got to go back to 2000. It was 63 to 14 over Texas. That's when you knew Oklahoma had turned the tide. That's uh-huh. when you knew this thing was going on. You, and you got Ricky Williams versus Demond Parker uh, back in the in the in the mid 90s. I think it was the 90 96 game, 97 game, which is was a classic game. You've got going back to you know Barry Switzer. Mm-hmm. It's just there's so much there. There's so much history. And and here and here's the reason why the answer to your question is a no. Oklahoma State, even though they lost in Austin, Oklahoma State is a better football team than Texas. I don't think anybody will debate you on that at this point. Now, Texas fans are going to say, well, we we, we won. Yeah. Okay, you won. Uh, you, you're going to pick Kansas State over Oklahoma right now if they play again. Right. You know that that's the point I'm making. But Texas is going to look at their Texas best case scenario right now to finish out the regular season. Their best case scenario is seven and five mm-hmm. plus the bowl game. That's not good. And that's kind of become their norm. Exactly. But eight months from now, what's everyone going to be talking about? Yeah. They're going to be talking about Oklahoma and Texas. And, and that stadium is going to be full just and, as much as any other and year. Because of that, I think that I think Texas will always be the primary rivalry for Oklahoma. Now, oh, it doesn't mean I, – I think Mike Gundy is probably one of the most underrated coaches in all of the Big 12. Go back to how we started this conversation. This was this was a, this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. This yeah. was supposed to be a seven, maybe if you're lucky, eight-win season for Oklahoma State, and you're knocking on the door of, of nine to ten wins. Right. I think he's super underrated, and – I like what he's building with Spencer Sanders. I, he's he's got a track record. You go back all the way back to Justin Blackman. We we talk about Oklahoma and running backs. We'll go back to Justin Blackman and talk about Oklahoma State and receivers. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. He's yeah. got a good thing going. And so I would like to see this. I would like to see this rivalry go back to being the winner goes to the Big Twelve Championship. Yeah, definitely. I would like to see this rival. Would, wouldn't it be fun to see this rivalry played this weekend and then again next weekend in Arlington? I, you know, some you know? people they talked about they wouldn't like that. Oh, I would love it. it. I would and love I'm just it. Thinking, by by all means, you look over recent history and a lot of these games have been, they've come down to those last couple of minutes. Right. Who wouldn't want a rematch? Like whenever you lose a close game like that, guys are super hungry for. I wish we could play them again. For sure, and you don't yeah. get to do that a lot in I, college that's what football. I'm so can having you, the chance that would be awesome. Can you imagine last weekend failed two point or last season failed two point conversion away from beating Oklahoma in Norman, but you get another shot at them in seven days right. in Arlington, Texas. I, that. And the reason why I like that is because it means Texas is out. <laughs> See, it goes right. back to my it goes back to my my hatred for Texas. So, um, okay, so let's we're, we're jumping in on time. Is is that it? I, I don't want to. If you got another question, I, I wanted to just get your opinion on Oklahoma State's defense. Do you think they're as legit as they've looked in the last month? Do you think they have a chance at stopping Jalen Hurts, stopping the offense, even if it's just a possession here and there? Or do you think this this could turn into? Oh, he's going to score a lot of points, and if Oklahoma State can't keep up, that's too, that's too bad. I do think Oklahoma's going to score a lot of points, but I also think that there will be stops. You go back, Kansas State had stops. Iowa State had stops. Baylor had stops. TCU had stops. I think turnovers are an issue with Oklahoma. You, you're saying uh, hopefully Oklahoma State can force a couple of turnovers. Yeah. I think Oklahoma's going to give you the ball. I mean, <laughs> I, I really do. That's just been that's been the MO all season long. Mm-hmm. So that's that how Oklahoma can rebound, you know, how – Typically, when you look at the pattern, teams score off of Oklahoma's turnovers. Okay. It's like the defense goes back out in the field and like, oh man, come on, you know. Um, that said, I don't think it's possible to stop Jalen Hurts. I really don't. Yeah. I, I think you can force a punt. I think you can get a turnover here and there, but across the board, he brings so much to the table. He's got so many weapons around him. What they're doing now is they're running passing routes. With no intention of throwing the ball, that they're just they're taking the set because because of Ceedee Lamb, mm-hmm. because of Charleston Rambo, you got to run with them. But it's zone read. It's it's what they've started doing really um, against Baylor in that second half. 
really the second quarter through the the remainder of the game we saw last week against TCU. It's more of a punishing run. It's we're going to, we're just going to hit you. I mean, as the defense, we're going to lean on you and lean on you until you break. And they use Jalen Hurts as the feature back for that. He had more rushing yards and passing yards. You know, it's just, I don't know that it's possible to stop him. I really don't. And I don't, it's not just Oklahoma state. I, I all season long, right. People have said, if you stop Jalen Hurts, you can, you can have a chance against Oklahoma. No one's done it yet. Yeah. I mean, Kansas State did it because of you know they they just really what Kansas State did is they they took Oklahoma's defense behind the woodshed mm-hmm. and they made every possession count and and to me that is Oklahoma State's chance in this game. Every possession has to count. Every possession has to score. If they do that and they have the personnel with Chuba Hubbard, you go back and you look at what Kansas State did. They got creative with with their run blocking schemes. They chewed up the clock. You know they they punish Oklahoma's defense. That's Oklahoma State's best option in this game. And again, not because it's Bedlam, not because it's Oklahoma State, but it's just because everyone this season has keyed on Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. No one's been able to stop him. And that, there's a reason why he is a finalist for the Maxwell and will be a finalist in New York City. Right. Just because he brings that dynamic with what he can do with his arm and his legs. Now, we'll say this. One more, one more thing on that. Last week against TCU, he was off on the deep throws. You know, and so if they were if, actually talking about that on the radio, yeah. when I said it over here. And so if if that's if on the road, if you know the Stillwater that that stadium, Boone Pickens is, you're you're really on top. the The fans are on top of the yeah. players. So if the crowd can make a difference and get him off his game, where he was a little bit, you just have to be a little bit off, right? And that that makes a big difference. If he can't get the deep ball, whether it's you're taking it away with pressure or he's just off. Different game, different ball game. Um, okay, real fast. Uh, this was supposed to be 20 minutes. We're going 30. I got no complaints about it. Uh, good stuff. Zach Lowe, uh, heartland-sports.com. We can find him writing about Oklahoma State. Um, real fast. We've been doing this week on the website uh, top five memories, bedlam memories. You're doing Oklahoma State perspective. I'm doing Oklahoma perspective. So let me throw this at you. Let's flip the script. Worst bedlam memory. That you can think of. Yeah, uh, there's one that comes to mind immediately when when you ask this question, and uh, go back to the 2013 Bedlam game. Uh, I remember the I remember the week distinctly. Um, I had people asking me; they knew I was a big Oklahoma State fan. Hey, man, you going to the game this weekend? And I was like, No chance. There's no <laughs> way you'll catch me. We had had all this cold weather, and it was it was the ice storm. It brought up all the memories of the Ice Bowl Bedlam game back in what was that like the 80s? I think it was. And, uh, so I was just, I no, there's no chance I'm going. And then like two days before one of my best friends like, Hey man, I got an extra ticket. You want to go? I was like, yeah, I want to go. So we, we head down and it's uh, I believe it was an 11 a.m. kickoff mm-hmm. and it was freezing cold. I bundled up and it was an exciting game. Oklahoma state ca- comes in at, what was it? 10 and one and ranked number six in the nation. OU was nine and two and they, they were ranked, uh, 17. So it was, it was close. And the, the whole game, it was, it was a solid game. It never got, I don't think either team led by more than 10 points at any given point. And then, uh, with, with a minute and, you know, just under two minutes to go, Oklahoma state scores to take the lead and Boone Pickens is rocking. And I'm just think I remember thinking it's a minute and a half play defense for a minute and a half. It can't be that hard. And sure enough, uh, Blake Bell finds Jalen Saunders in the, in the corner of the end zone and they go up and it was kind of like, like a reverse of, uh, Josh Fields to Rashawn Woods and Norman. Right, right. It was that type of situation. And Bedlam just kind of went silent. I mean, Boone Pickens just kind of went silent and we were all kind of standing around like this really happened. And then to top it all off, uh, Eric Stryker grabs the scoop and score as time expires. And it was just adding salt to the wound. It ends up being, <laughs> instead of just a, a, a slight loss, it's a nine point loss. And it's just, everybody was all upset. Plus there was all the, the extra junk from what was it? The Oklahoma state male cheerleader tried to trip. Oh yeah. Trip he tried a player, to trip Eric Stryker, then, yeah. Then at the end, uh, OU players are obviously hyped and they were talking a lot of noise to fans. Fans start throwing snowballs. And I think I saw a picture this weekend. I, I never seen this before of a Turkey leg that was out on the field. No. Yeah. The kid, there was actually, I think it was, I didn't game. even know about there that. was a kid cause they kept like panning to this kid eating this Turkey leg. And then that's what made it funny because during the game, you're watching this kid yeah. eat the Turkey leg. But then you see the turkey leg down on the field. You know that's that, and that's you hate to see that. I don't care which fan base you are. I, I hate to see any kind of extra stuff like that from fans. But yeah, it was it was uh, it was heartbreaking. And then I had to ride back, and uh, actually the 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 friend that I went with, we were with his, I think it was his cousin, 
And uh, she said, yeah, so uh, you can't come with us to games anymore. <laughs> and she was joking. She was, she was cool about it. But we were all pretty upset. And I was just like, I was super bummed because I didn't want to go to begin with because it was so cold. And then I'm thinking we're going to get a win out of this. It's totally worth it. And then we lost. I was like, oh, man, you've got to be kidding and again, me. Again, if I was an Oklahoma State fan, the worst part of that was that final drive. It was very methodical for Oklahoma. Yes. Blake Bell. Because you know, Oklahoma had all kinds of quarterback issues that year. Yeah. Um, I think they ended up – Using three quarterbacks. I don't even think Blake Bell started that game. I think it was right. Kendall Thompson who yep. started. Um, and then it's ironic that it goes on. Oklahoma goes on to win the Sugar Bowl with with Trevor Knight that right. same season. But Blake Bell has a terrible pass that Justin Gilbert practically intercepts, mm-hmm. lands on top of. I want to say it was LeColton Bester. Lands on top of LeColton Bester with the ball, but he's not down because right. he's on top of the OU player. And then as he bounces on the ground, that ball comes loose, mm-hmm. which was somewhat of a controversial play. Right. But in, anyway, yeah, I, I totally get that. Mine is going to be, and I've already confirmed this with you, your number one on your top mi- moments, um, 2014 Tyreek Hill um, running that punt return back. And that, basically, as an Oklahoma fan, all you have to do is say Tyreek Hill. Right. And every Oklahoma fan is going to oh, because it's not just – that he ran the punt back, but as they punted it to him twice, yeah. two times in a row. And so you've got your punt team that has just sprinted down the field. There's a penalty. Oklahoma State has the ball. There's a penalty, and Bob Stoops thinks, well, let's get him pinned deeper. Right. And so your punt team has to sprint down again. And when I, I was, I remember the section I was sitting in, I'm in the end zone. I'm in the the south. I'm on the sideline, south side of the south end zone, which is the end zone that Tyreek Hill scored in. But he was scored on the opposite side of the field from where we were. But I remember the entire section that I'm sitting in, section one. They're going, no, no, don't don't do this. <laughs> right. What is wrong with you? And you see that you you see the ball go, and then you know it bounces, and he picks it up, and you're like, oh crap. And 92 yards later, I mean, and that's just the tie of the game. Yeah. But you knew, everybody knew at that point, everyone knew that OU is going to lose that game. <laughs> and so, to me, that's by far my worst uh, bedlam moment that I that I can re- uh, recall. And um, I mean, it's, that's what makes it makes it fun. Yeah, uh, for sure. Zach, thanks so much. Happy Thanksgiving, real fast, because Thunder. Uh, you know, we're we're a month into the NBA basketball season. You and Craig do an outstanding job as the Thunder guys covering Oklahoma City Thunder and. and Look, the Oklahoma State Thunder, doesn't matter if you're an Oklahoma State fan or an Oklahoma fan, a lot of people come together to cheer on the Thunder, and you guys do an outstanding job. Um, Real fast, tell everyone how can they get your Thunder Guys coverage. Yeah, you can give us a follow on Twitter, at the Thunder Guys. You can go download our podcast, which is called Thunder Things with the Thunder Guys. That's on Apple Podcasts, Google Google Podcasts, that's hard to say, Stitcher, and Spotify. And uh, make sure you check out heartland-sports.com. We've got all kinds of Thunder content going on over there as well. All right, Zach Lowe, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. All right, well, it's always good to hear Zach. Um, you know, and they do a, they do a tremendous job with um, Oklahoma City Thunder coverage. And so, if you're a Thunder fan, definitely need to check that out. Oklahoma State defense against Oklahoma's offense or Oklahoma's offense versus Oklahoma State's defense. Rich, I'm curious uh, your take on this. To me, it comes down to turnovers. If you don't turn the ball over, you're going to score. If you're Oklahoma. I, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to throw this at Zach um, because of time constraints. But I, I said this after Saturday's game. You you faced the four most physical defenses in the Big Twelve in back to back to back to back weeks. Now you get to go up, up against Oklahoma State, a good defense that focuses and keys on turnovers. But I don't think they bring the type of physicality that TCU and Baylor and Iowa State and Kansas State brought. Just don't turn the ball over. Is it that simple? I actually do agree with that. When we look at what Mike Gundy has done with the defenses that have that he's fielded each and every year, the best ones, and Zach said this as well, is they've been the opportunistic ones. Mm-hmm. I think this is a defense that has exceeded expectations this year, and a lot of that comes by virtue of them gaining more turnovers than what they've lost. And that comes at the hands of a freshman quarterback, someone who's inexperienced, who we've seen, if you've ever watched any of the games, whether you're a fan or not, uh, we've seen make questionable decisions that have resulted 
in turnovers. I know when we look at these opportunistic off or excuse me, defenses versus this Oklahoma offense, and you look at the struggles that Oklahoma has had in putting the ball on the turf, in making critical mistakes, specifically in the red zone, I, I think it gives you just a glimmer of hope that we don't need to win every single down, but when an opportunity, when that ball is fluttering in the air, we've got to make sure that our guy is under it. That's the kind of defense that I expect Oklahoma State to play on Saturday against Oklahoma. Attempt to put a helmet on the football and force the fumble or record an interception by being in the right place at the right time. Oklahoma State done, done an excellent job of that throughout the duration of conference play. I believe they're a plus three margin on turnovers, and they'll look to extend that further than that plus three this weekend. So if Oklahoma, barring any crazy situations, if they can limit the number of turnovers, their chances of securing the victory substantially go up. I'm going into this game, though, fully expecting Oklahoma to turn the ball over twice. I mean, I, there's, if it doesn't happen, I won't be disappointed. <laughs> but when it does happen, I won't be disappointed. My expectation is two turnovers, be it Jalen Hurts, be it CeeDee Lamb. I mean, everyone's turned the ball over. I mean, you've got, you've got a, your cast of characters. It started out just as a Jalen Hurts thing that we saw that kind of flip. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood last week joining in on that. Um I'm going into this game expecting Oklahoma to turn the ball over. And because of that factor, I think this game will be closer than it should be, much like what the last month has been. And that if that irritates Oklahoma fan, so be it. I mean, I am I am an Oklahoma fan. You won't find one bigger than me. But I've got a month of football to validate what my expectation is here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, let's flip the script. In. I mean, it, well, let's talk about Jalen Hurts. Um, Zach talked about stopping Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. I don't think you stop Jalen Hurts. I, I really don't. Um, but I think this is going to be bigger than Jalen Hurts. I, I think I, I'm expecting Kennedy Brooks to have a huge game on Saturday. And I think Ramondre Stevenson will have a decent game on Saturday. I, I don't see why Oklahoma would move away from what they've done since that second quarter of Baylor, just power over people and just let that be it. Wear down the defense, keep leaning on them. I do think if Jalen Hurts has a 350 plus passing yard performance one of two things has happened they've hit big big plays to cd lamb or charleston rambo those type of things or this game's a lot closer and oklahoma's coming from behind and they have to pass if oklahoma gets what they want i believe it's going to be a power run game grind it out lean on them wear them down that's what i'm expecting yeah you you do have to look at the strength of this this oklahoma state defense which is in stopping the run. Now, a lot of people said the same thing about TCU, and we see just how well that worked out. But Oklahoma State has prided themselves on being able to stop running backs from gaining or from breaking off those large gains. I do agree with you in the fact that Oklahoma is going to run the football. That that's a guaranteed how many times they throw it, I don't know, will be as lopsided as it was against TCU unless Jalen Hurts is injured, which is a rumor that I continuously hear. He was injured against Texas, um, came out with the hand wrapped, swollen. I'm, I'm not buying it. I'm not confirming it. I'm not denying it. I'm just telling you someone <laughs> keeps feeding this idea. And I, I keep saying there, there's just no way. Um, but like I said, back to the point, I, I don't think it's as lopsided in runs to passes as what we saw against TCU. I think that comes closer to 50-50, maybe that 60-40 that we've come to know and love. But Oklahoma is going to run the ball. They've got capable running backs. They've got an offensive line that continuously has improved, regardless of the new cast of characters that are playing the different roles next to Creed Humphrey. This offensive line is is extremely well coached heading into Saturday. The game plan, I do believe, is to lean on that offensive line once again, throwing to keep the defense honest and 
potentially to break off those big plays that you had mentioned, whether that's Charleston Rambo, C.D. Lamb, uh, 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 Braden Willis, whoever that might be. I expect, and a lot of people apparently are expecting an old-fashioned game, and that's basically what I think we get. I, I agree. Um, interesting to watch on the offensive line if R.J. Proctor makes a start again this week, replaced Eric Swenson in the Baylor game, started against TCU Curious to see how that shakes out as well. Defensively, for me, if, if I'm Alex Grinch, it's account for Chuba Hubbard. Don't give him any space. Hit him hard every time he gets the ball and see what Drew Brown has. I agree 100%. This, if I'm approaching it and I'm in Alex Grinch's shoes, I want Drew Brown to beat me. I, I don't want Chuba Hubbard. Here, I'm going to make a comment on something that was said when you sat down with Zach about the Heisman. Um, I didn't realize this, but Chuba Hubbard is doing something that we haven't seen since Derrick Henry at Alabama. A little bit of a shock to me. The name Jonathan Taylor has become synonymous with the running back position. Anytime someone brings up the Heisman conversation, I pulled up Jonathan Taylor's stats here, 18 touchdowns, 1,685 yards. He very well could get 20 touchdowns before the end of the season, but guess who else can do that? Chuba Hubbard, a 2,000-yard rusher, 20-touchdown season, has not been recorded by a Power 5 team since Derrick Henry was on the field at the University of Alabama. We have two players who potentially could do that, and we know how that worked for Henry. He won the Heisman that year. So I do think that Hubbard, Taylor, are worthy of invites, Hubbard more so. And I, I'm coming around. I'm coming around here because I know I said something different last time out. But Chuba Hubbard, what he means to this team equally for Jonathan Taylor. I just have to look at the stats then and say that Hubbard's having the better season. Offensively, I think Oklahoma State comes in and they intend to hand the ball off to Chuba Hubbard and essentially let him run to win the game. Oklahoma is going to have to key on him, specifically on the edges. Oklahoma has proven to be susceptible at times when ball carriers get out towards that edge and are able to turn the corner. Oklahoma is going to have to utilize these defensive ends. If that's Ronnie Perkins, perfect. If they want to bring a linebacker up, even uh, a Nick Benito instead of just rushing him, but using him to set that edge or a Deshaun White. I'm absolutely fine with that and letting Kenneth uh, Murray work in the middle. But I do think you've got to set that edge and force a guy like Chuba Hubbard back towards the middle, towards these bigger guys who are able to, whether it's get an arm on him and slow him down so that someone else can make the tackle or just stop him after a two, maybe three yard gain. But if he's getting six, seven yards on you every single time as an average you're in trouble and you know that you're in for a long day. So my game plan would be to stop Juba Hubbard and make Drew Brown throw the ball in order to beat me. You know, I voted when I voted for the Maxwell award, um, I voted uh, Joe Burrow, Jay, uh, Jalen hurts. And then Juba Hubbard one, two and three um, Burrow and, and hurts made, made it to the this finals. Uh, I think Chase Young's in the finals because of what you're saying. I think people wanted Jonathan Taylor to be there, but they look at what Shuba Hubbard's doing. He's outperforming Jonathan Taylor, and they're like, yeah, okay, Chase Young. You know, because they just don't I, – I don't think you can mm – -hmm. I think they wanted and, to put Jonathan Taylor there, but they can't because I, of what Shuba Hubbard's doing. But like Zach said, you look at the three losses for Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's find another guy, I, Chase Young. And I am a little bit surprised because of the suspension that he served missing was yeah, it two games I think, and, yeah. and still being in the consideration for all these different awards. It speaks to the talent that he is. It speaks to the stat line that he's produced, even though he's missed, we're talking about young here, even though he's missed those games, incredible talent who is all of a sudden shooting up the draft boards. We'll see where he goes, but undoubtedly going to be a first round pick in the future. Offensive player of the game. I'm going with uh, uh, Kennedy Brooks. Okay, and I, I respect your decision because we're picking people who aren't named Jalen Hurts, oh, yeah, right? You can go with Jalen Hurts if you want to. I think I think even with Jalen Hurts there, I think mm -hmm. Kennedy Brooks has a really, really big game. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm in the same boat. I, I, I would have definitely chosen Kennedy Brooks just to go a little bit different here. I'm going to say 
Let's not Ramondre Stevenson. I'll just pick a receiver just to be completely out there and different. And I, I think that C.D. Lamb, a guy who wants his number called, mm-hmm. a guy who believes he's going to score on every possession, can have a major impact when given the opportunity. If the ball comes his way, I know that he can sit down against a zone or he can win those one-on-one battles. It's will they give him those one-on-one matchups or is someone going to be shaded in his direction every single snap? Um, defensive side of the ball for me, it's, it's, uh, Kenneth Murray. This is his game. When you're talking about stopping Chuba Hubbard, that calls Kenneth Murray. That puts him on the spot. Caleb Kelly, I think has a, has a, a better performance than what we saw last week against TCU. Just kind of get his feet wet, feet wet for the season <laughs> last week. But Kenneth Murray's my guy on this. I, I think he leads the team in tackles. I agree with you there. Um, I'm going to throw out Neville Gallimore as well as a yeah, guy that I, a guy that I expect to have a big game or to have an impact. And you hear his name called more times than not in comparison to the previous outings. Big 12 action gets started on Friday, uh, the 29th. Texas Tech at Texas, 11 a.m. kickoff. West Virginia, TCU, a 3:15 kickoff. Um, I I like Texas Tech and Texas to be a close game. I do think the Longhorns get that uh, that seventh win of the season. Texas right now a 10 point favorite. I do not think they cover that 10 points, but I do think they sneak out somewhere like 35, 31. West Virginia at TCU. I don't think this is close. I think TCU covers the 12 and a half, uh, somewhere around the 31, 17 on that, and then takes us into Saturday. No morning kickoff this weekend in the on Saturday in the Big 12. No 11 a.m. kickoff. Baylor, Kansas at 2.30. The Bears are going to roll over Les Miles and company by about 30 points, in my opinion. They're favored by 14. Iowa State, Kansas State, I think is a decent game. I like the Cyclones by about a touchdown. Again, that means they cover uh, the four-and-a-half-point spread. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, 7 o'clock kickoff. Fox is where you can catch this if you're not going to be at Boone Pickens Stadium. Sooners are a 13-and-a-half-point favorites. Here we go, Rich. It's decision time. Anything you got anything to say about the other four Big 12 games? Mm. No? Okay. No. Do the Sooners cover the 13-and-a-half points? Give me your score prediction. You know, Oklahoma has not fared very well against the spread. And I'm not talking about just this season. I'm talking about when it comes to Bedlam specifically and the game being played in Stillwater. I think um, they've covered the spread once in this 2019, so 11 years that they've played this game when it's happened in Stillwater, and that was in 2008. I expect a very they didn't similar... cover in 2015? No. Joe Mixon and them? All right, anyway, mm. go ahead. I do expect a similar situation to play out here. I don't believe they covered. You could go back and check that, but I think the last time Oklahoma covered in Bedlam while it was being played in Stillwater was 2008. I'm looking at Oklahoma. I'm looking at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma has the more talented roster. Oklahoma State facing a little bit more adversity than Oklahoma is at this point in time. And I believe it's because of that that Oklahoma does get the win. But I'm giving I'm giving Oklahoma a 10-point win and saying they do not cover this one 35 well, I'm not 10 point. I guess it's 11, 24, 35, right, well, I'm going, um, I'm going with it. I said earlier, I think a one or two turnovers makes this game closer than what it should be. Even with that said, I think Oklahoma covers and they cover comfortably. Um, I've got Oklahoma 47, Oklahoma state 31, uh, with the bedlam bedlam win setting up, uh, the big 12 championship game rematch with the Baylor Bears. He's Rich. I'm Matt. We'll be back uh, Sunday-ish to, <coughs> excuse me, to recap what hopefully will be an Oklahoma Bedlam win. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been the Sooner Nation Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.